Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Today's guest is Julie Baker. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Susan. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for the invite. I've been very excited about having this conversation. And, you know, some of my guests I've never met or talked to before. Um, I think it's nice that we have had conversations. We kind of know each other's style. This sort of talk that we do is real talk. You know, it's very easygoing. And I find that um, to be very comfortable with you. So I'm so happy to have this conversation. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'm happy to. So I, um, I am a proud, proud Chicagoan. Um, was born here, grew up in the suburbs mostly, um, but had a stretch where I really bounced around a little bit. Um, I spent almost five years living in London during middle school and high school. Um, nice. We were transferred over there because of my dad's job. So um, that really shaped me in a lot of ways, right? Really formative years. Um, and it kind of direct, redirected me um, in what I wanted to do or what I thought I wanted to do, at least. Um, you'll, you'll sense a theme in my life about pivoting from what I think <laughs> I want to do to something else. Um, but I... You know, I came back and finished high school in Chicago and then realized I really wanted to study international relations and keep that sort of international life going. So I ended up going to Georgetown, where I studied in the School of Foreign Service. Um, Georgetown also has a really robust study abroad program. So I took advantage of that and spent a semester um, studying and living with a family in Santiago, Chile. Uh, working on my Spanish, which has sadly started to slip, but at the time was was actually pretty good as I was taking all, all my classes in Spanish and uh, living, sleeping, eating, and even dreaming in Spanish at one point down there. Wow. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great. So finished up in college um, and then decided to um, follow my passion for educational equity. And I ended up joining Teach for America um, which was a, a big a big national program that was really uh, continues to really fight the educational inequity that uh, is sort of a plague on our country. So I had been so blessed with amazing schools my entire life and really wanted to give back. So I picked up and moved to Brownsville, Texas, which is about as far south and as far east as you can go in Texas. And I taught fourth grade down there for two years, which was incredible. Wow. I uh, lo loved the experience of living in a border town, um, got to use my Spanish again while I was there, but really loved being in the classroom. I had a classroom of nine and 10 year olds, um, taught them all day, all subjects, uh, became for a brief period of time, pretty knowledgeable about Texas history because that's the, that's the fourth grade history class in Texas. Um, and it really was, and I continue to tell people today, it's both the hardest thing I've ever done, the, the, by far the hardest job I've ever had, um, but it's also the most rewarding. So at the end of those two years, I decided it was time to come back to Chicago. The pull of home was strong. And I, I went to law school, which had sort of always been in the back of my head as something that I wanted to do. Um, went to law school, planned on doing juvenile justice. But uh, as I said before, uh, the best laid plans and didn't quite work out that way. And I pivoted again. Um, I ended up actually working for Chicago Public Schools in their Labor and Employee Relations Department during my first summer of law school um, and started to really get drawn into the labor and employment world. 
um, and decided that that was ultimately what I wanted to pursue while still keeping my hand in education. So I did my pro bono work representing kids and families in special education proceedings with their schools and negotiating with the schools to get the supports that they needed. Um, but I spent six years practicing as outside counsel uh, at Jones Day in Chicago doing employment litigation. And then about three years ago, I moved in-house to JLL or Jones Lang LaSalle, which is a uh, large professional services firm um, that specializes in real estate and investment management. And in my job there, I am our um, senior counsel for employment litigation. So I handle our employment litigation for the U.S., which means I manage outside counsel um, in their responses to either charges or lawsuits. I handle internal investigations. I advise the business on how to mitigate litigation risk. I'm very focused on the litigation world, less so on um, the counseling piece of employment law. We have a fabulous team that does that um, as well. So I get to really keep my eyes and hands in the litigation world, um, which is what I had come out of Jones Day doing and really love. So it's been quite the journey, a lot of pivots, kind of unexpected that I've ended up where I have, um, but that's, that's the path. Let me unpack a little bit of that because that's a lot. It's amazing. So I'm sitting here feeling everything you're saying, right? So I'm imagining, oh my gosh, you know, to, to be in that position working with children, um, then to go to law school and to have moved all over the world, to be in Chile. I just think that you're like a lovable lawyer, right? So the work that you've I try done, to be. <laughs> the work that you've done is so meaningful for children, with children, about children. And now uh, I think labor and employment lawyers are a special breed. They do um, work that's definitely meaningful on all levels. Uh, you've worked at one of the, you know, greatest law firms in the country, and now you're doing work with one of the largest companies in the country, and you're still a lovable lawyer. I'm going to call you Julie Pivot Baker. <laughs> That's right. That's the story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the employment, the employment world is, it's very personal, right? Employment litigation yes. is very personal on both sides, both the plaintiff and the defense side. And yes. I think that's, you know, when you sort of look at my path and how do you end up from working with kids and families this, this is how you get there is all of those things are very personal and um, you know, it, it all just sort of fits for who I want to be as a, as a professional. And folks, I know that Ju uh, Julie listens with empathy and not judgment. And I think you have to have that trait to be good at what you do. And it's not something you can put on. It's part of who you are. Right. So that's beautiful. I think you've had a really great journey. Um, Julie pivot Baker. What has been your proudest professional accomplishment? Because you've had so many opportunities. Um, maybe you don't have just one. Uh, so I think that one of the things I'm most proud of is how I made the transition from outside counsel to in-house. I think it's a more difficult transition than a lot of people think uh, because it really requires a shift in your mindset. You are, you are lawyering in a very different way when you're in-house. Um, you really have to be part of the solution, part of sort of thinking outside the box, um, not just a source of sort of black and white legal advice, right. um, because you're working with the business and you have to put yourself in their shoes. So, you know, I, the way I think about it is that every decision has a legal component and a business component. Um, and you never want the business to avoid looping in legal because they fear that we're just going to stand in the way and say, no, you can't do that. So 
um, you know, you want to be part of the solution. How do we get to yes is sort of the way I think about it. Nice. But it was something that I think when you make that transition, um, you don't know, right? I mean, I thought that that was that I was going to be good at the business side of it. But having been only outside counsel um, for so long, you just you just don't know. So I think right. that transition went more smoothly than I expected. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. I certainly hope that there are a lot more proud accomplishments uh, coming down the line. But that's, sure, that's one that absolutely. really stands out. Yeah, we're going to call you Julie Slam Dunk Baker. That's going to be your... <laughs> Let me ask you this. So you're talking about this very important journey, this meaningful pivot. And I just yesterday got a, a, a LinkedIn message and then we set up a phone call from a, a third year law school student who has reconsidered her entire path. And look, we're all making decisions at that age uh, that we really don't have enough experience to be making, right? So she's thinking about, oh my gosh, three years in law school, I've dedicated my life to becoming a lawyer at a defense firm, and now I'm, I don't wanna do it. I'm thinking I want to be in-house. How do I make that switch? Would you mind, Julie, if I hooked you up um, with her for like a phone call? She's young, yesterday was her birthday, actually. Um, oh, fantastic. I, yeah, I, think I would be happy great. to. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I, I, I do a lot of that with law students um, from my alma mater at Loyola Chicago. And I love meeting with law students and talking to them about the path and, and really trying to make them understand from my own experience that you don't really know where the path is going to take right. you and that's okay. Right. Embrace the unknown. So for her, I think that um, in my opinion, having seen both sides and worked closely with lawyers in uh, in-house and at outside counsel, I know business and I know business well, and I see that for all the reasons you, it, you know, had mentioned, outside counsel doesn't know business. They went to law school, they started working at a law firm, and then they have to really learn later in life how to speak the language of the client. Um, so when she told me this, I had an inclination to give her a big cheer that she has come upon this, you know, revelation so early on and not once she's already started practicing at a firm decided, uh-oh, you know, this may not be for me. So I think a conversation with you around your uh, pivot in that way and your experience and journey would be so meaningful and helpful. I'd be happy to definitely put us in touch. I will do that. Well, let's ask you, who has been your mentor or maybe someone who inspired you along the way? So I've been really fortunate and have had sort of a lot of people professionally who have stepped up and really mentored me and, and have been very inspirational. But when I sort of think about this question, frankly, the people who really stand out the most are actually my parents. Um, and they've really been inspirational, both professionally and personally. But um, my dad spent his entire career at the same company, which is a real rarity um, these days. He obviously had lots of different roles over an almost 40-year career there. Um, so he, you know, I was raised with this idea of the importance of loyalty, but also with the idea that you can reinvent yourself even within the same organization, which I think yes. is a good way to sort of keep things fresh. And then you know, my mom had um, several iterations, I would say, of her of professional careers from advertising to school consulting to nonprofit board leadership, um, all while also spending a number of years at home uh, with me and my brothers when we were growing up. Um, but but re what really is inspiring about my parents is when I think about how they uprooted a family with three little kids. I was the oldest at 11. 
Um, they uprooted us in the middle of the school year to move to London, um, a place that none of us had ever been. And um, that bravery just really stands out and is something that's very inspiring to me. You know, they were able to look beyond uh, what were the, you know, I'd say the obvious risks of moving across the globe, right? Leaving your friends and family behind and going to a place you've never been to before um, because they were brave enough to see what sort of opportunity this was going to give our family and that it was going to forever change us. And they were willing to do that. They, you know, I think a lot of people fear change and my parents were very, very brave about it. And so that has been something that has really stuck with me. You know, it's been more than 20 years now since we've been back in the U S and it, you can just tell we have a different mentality from having yeah. had that experience. Yeah. Um, and it's very meaningful. Say, um, how, important travel is and the fact that you even lived overseas more than once um, how important that is in contributing to a broader uh, global world view and to eliminating uh, minimizing at the very least but eliminating the you know bias and bigotry and not understanding the other right instead you're curious about the other and you embrace otherness. Um, I love Absolutely. that. Your parents did a really great thing. First of all, it is very cool that your dad stayed in that same company for so long. I don't hear of that, especially today. You never hear of that. But I think you got your pivot gene from your mom. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> no question about it. <laughs> well, speaking of mom and women helping women and her being an inspiration to you, um, how do you think that women can support other women in business? So there are two things that I think really um, help in this regard. And I think they are visibility and honesty. And what I mean by that is I think women need to see other women in leadership roles, in positions yes. of power within yes. an organization. Um, but also women in those leadership roles I love it when they can be open and truthful about the challenges that they faced in their path to get there, because you've got sort of the first piece about if you don't see someone who looks like you in a position of power, it's hard to imagine yourself there. Right. But if you see a woman in a position of power and she makes it look super easy, that can also backfire because right. then I think the women who are looking up start to think, well, she makes it look so easy. Her life must be so different than mine. I could never make that work like she does. But when you talk to these women in the positions of power about the challenges they face, right, whether it's balancing child rearing with their role at work or negative comments that they've heard from others along the way or, you know, their own self-doubt over the years at different point, you know, decision points. Um, when you hear that from women, it really makes it seem so much more realistic for kind of the rest of us who are looking to get there to think, they're kind of just like us. They faced similar questions all along the way and they've made these choices and I can learn from that. But I think you've got to have that both the visibility and the honesty pieces to really um, push women forward and give them the ability to look at a path and say, I can do that. You know, Julie, I am, I'm grinning ear to ear. My cheeks are burning. I'm biting my tongue so I don't interrupt you, letting you finish this amazing uh, content that you're sharing right now. I want to tell you something. For the past three years, I've hosted these live events where I invite women. Some are well-known across the country, others not so much, and I do that on purpose to shine a light on women who deserve the light but don't readily get it. Um, I 
have a system in place where they do this uh, TED style talk and it has to be real and raw. And what I've learned over the years is a lot of women hide behind their persona. They mimic men in order to be successful. They get on stage or in front of a crowd and they'll say um, who they are, how much they make, what their title is, but we don't get to know them. So in my work, I have required each of the speakers to get real and be raw and tell us what didn't work. What were the challenges and obstacles and how did you overcome them? Because exactly the reason you just said, it makes you more relatable to the audience, to younger people looking up to you who want to do what you do. They need the real talk around how I got to where I am, not just the shiny that they can read on the website on my bio, right? So I love that you said that. No one in the 190 now three, 193 podcasts that I have hosted has ever addressed that issue. And that is so important. Honesty, be open, honest, and direct about your journey so that other people can live and learn by your example, the truth of the journey. Love it. Exactly. Oh my God, that is so powerful. So I'm sort of a cheerleader too. So yay, Julie. <laughs> that was a great answer. I think that's one oh, of the most powerful you. answers I've ever gotten. Fantastic. I just, you know, I just think it's so important. We have to see what the real life looks like. Otherwise, how do you ever figure out how to get there? Exactly. So that is the perfect segue to my next question, which is, have you had a challenge or setback? And if so, would you be willing to share about it and how you overcame it? Sure. So I think you're going to be a little bit surprised by this, given um, my, my pivots, my multiple pivots in my life. But I really think that one of the greatest um, struggles that I've had personally is actually making changes is because I think it's so much easier what? sometimes to just stick. I know, right. To stick what you're comfortable with, you know, stick with what you're comfortable with, stay with what you know. And I think part of the challenge for me has always been actually trying to carve out time to think critically about what I really, really want um, and then figure out how to get there. So, you know, I, I think back to this transition from Jones Day to JLL um, from outside counsel to in-house, and I was really comfortable. I knew what to expect at Jones Day. I knew my team well. I had built up a lot of goodwill. You know, the team knew sort of the quality of my work. They knew they could trust me to get it done. Um, I was surrounded by the only people professionally who I had worked with as a lawyer. It was very, very comfortable, and it was very, very busy. And so I think, you know, it's a big challenge to carve out time to actually think yourself about what it is that you really, really want. And for me, it took a long time to get there to figure out that I wanted to be more business focused and I wanted to be driving strategy um, in ways that it was difficult to do as an associate at a large law firm. But it was really scary. So even with all this background of moving around and pivoting and new plans, yeah. um, moving out of something you know is really, really scary. And sometimes you just need um, a little push and a little support. And I think, you know, I was fortunate that I had a very supportive husband who was totally on board with me making a big change um, and, and moving to the in-house world. But it took me a long time to get comfortable with the idea of leaving behind something that I was, that I knew well, and frankly, I was good at. And that's, that's scary to move into something that you don't know if you're going to be good at it and whether it's going to work out. You never know if the grass is greener um, and how that looks. But so that's that to me 
every time I think about these changes for as many of them as I've made, it's actually very difficult for me to get there. Um, I'm always glad I did, but it's a, it's a real process. I think that's a great um, lesson there in daring to lead in the words of Brene Brown. Um, you know, and your husband, let's give him a shout out for being an ally sitting with you in that struggle and encouraging you to go the direction you want to go. And look how well it worked out, right? So I think of you as someone who understands the perspective of both sides. You're able to incorporate um, what I call your business person who knows the law. And I think that's what is important in every lawyer. Uh, that's what they should strive to be, right? Whether you're outside counsel or in-house, you need to speak business, understand the, the business. For you to have made the leap from one to the other is quite courageous. So bravo to pivot Julie, Julie Pivot Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something that maybe people who know you well don't know. Um, is there a surprising fact about you? Like, have you been a circus trapeze artist or something? <laughs> no, nothing that exciting. I'm not, I'm not that brave, Susan. <laughs> uh, <Nor> am I. <laughs> no, right, exactly. Um, so something surprising. I, you know, I, um, I played high school basketball, which nice. in and of itself is not all that surprising, but um, sort of my fun fact is that I won both an Illinois state high school championship and a European international school championship during my wow. uh, career. Yeah, so That's sort of fun to have both of those. I don't think anyone else can say. <laughs> right, it, 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 it comes from just that, you know, splitting high school across two continents. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that. I love that. So um, this is the part of my program where I ask a wild card question, but only if you agree to this. Um, a, a lot of guests are uncomfortable with something they, they are not prepared for, but if you're game... Um, you know me, I'm, I'm ready to pivot. I Let's do it. <laughs> I was like, she's totally going to go for this. So I have a box of 144 questions and I'll pull from that box just randomly, pull out a card. And the question is, oh, this is really um, in keeping with your story. Maybe I should ask a different one. I don't know. But the question is, what is your favorite period of your life? Ooh. That's a great question. Isn't that awesome? Um, that's a great story. question. So <laughs> I think, you know, I think it's probably the last five years. Um, I, I have, I have two daughters. They're five and two, or they would tell Aww. you five and a half and two and a half. Um, and so I think the time from for the point where I became a mom um, has just been, it's been wonderful. I, they, they're just amazing little humans who um, keep us on our toes every day and frankly make sort of all of the rest of my life that much brighter. And, um, you know, knowing that I get to come home or in these days, uh, since I'm working from home, walk downstairs and see them, but um, they have just you know, changed my life all for the better. And so I think, I think the last five years and all the years going forward with them will be the best years. That's so beautiful. And look, I only have one child, um, but you think he's the only child that ever walked the planet. <laughs> I, I have so much love for my one child. I can't imagine, um, you know, sharing that, but I know if I had another, I would. I'm very much proud to say, I don't hide that. Even in the corporate world, I never hid the fact that I love being a mother. I love being a mother. Yeah. It's been yep. such, oh my God, it's, it's you know, I, I think there are a lot of people who don't understand those words. Even some moms don't. My husband says to me, 
I think you love our son most more than most moms love their children. And I'm like, spoken like a man. Sure. Right. <laughs> well, and you're like, and I'm proud. I'm proud of that. <laughs> I hope I do. <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, he's my only son and he's a remarkable human being. And I feel exactly what you're talking about. And I think that's beautiful of all the success you've had your focus in answering that wild card question was on your being a mother. I think that I, I can agree. And it's just, Ah, I love that answer. I love that answer. Well, let me ask you, you're so remarkable. I'm sure um, if people want to know more about you, how can they reach you? Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out to me there. Um, or um, I can give you my email address and people can reach out to me directly that way as well. Awesome. Well, folks, those of you who follow me regularly know that I'll create a blog about Julie. And in that blog, I'll put how to connect with her. So look for that on my website under blogcasts at freemanmeansbusiness.com. And this should be available within 48 hours. So we'll have some pictures and we'll have Julie's bio. And thank you so much, Julie Pivot Baker, for being here today. I was so happy to do it, Susan. Thank you so much for the invitation. All right, everybody. Have a good day and thanks for listening. Bye-bye.